Good morning. Are we all all right? Good. Let's pray, shall we, before we begin. Let's uh, pray together. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We remember the words of your scripture that says, This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And we accept that commission from your word to rejoice in this day that you have given us. Whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. And we look forward at the beginning of this new year. There are some things possibly that we know that will happen. And many things that we don't know. But we thank you Lord that whatever happens. We will travel this this year with you and in your company. And we thank you for the gift of your spirit. We ask that you'd pour yourself out on us as church afresh this year, that we'd learn more of you, that we'd be bolder, that we'd learn more about faith and your faithfulness. And we thank you for one another, the company of this church that you've given us in order to do faith together, to do life together, and to do your mission together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good. Did you like that reading? It's about the third time you've heard it this Christmas. I thought, you know, we're coming to that time, aren't we, where we uh, wrap up our Christmas decorations again and put them in a box and put them away for another year. So I thought I'd bring out Luke chapter 2 for one more read before we pack it up at the beginning of Luke's Gospel and bring it out again next year at the end of the year. I uh, have had a, a curious Christmas. How's your Christmas been? Um, we didn't meet on Christmas Day. For the first time for 20 years in ministry, I wasn't with my church. I found that strange. I didn't see you last Sunday, although some of you may have seen me because I was on telly last week. I didn't see you on Christmas Eve night, which I really miss because I love that time of intimacy together. But I'm glad that we're here together this morning. I've spent the last week being, uh, I'm channeling, do you know the man called Carson in uh, Downton Abbey, who's the butler? He says, yes, yes, well, that's who I've been in my house for the last week because Nicola and Jack and Rhiannon have all tested positive. They've been upstairs and I've been downstairs and I've been the butler for a week. And today is a good day that I'm rejoicing in because hopefully when I get home they will have tested negative and we can spend the day together today and tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, that's something, it's, it's made me realise how precious company is and precious it is for each other. But I want to just spend a little bit of time challenging you as, and challenging myself about what's coming in this year from the reading that you've just had. In the old days, Christmas was a 12-day fast. You know that, don't you? Because we sing a song about it, the 12 days of Christmas. It finishes on Epiphany on January the 5th, the day that, the shep- that the, traditionally the wise men brought the gifts to Jesus. And here we are today on the day after New Year's Day, almost at the end of another Christmas. A different one again this year for many of us, but nevertheless, a step out of the routine that we are in day by day, our work, our day-to-day living, whatever it is that we do. We have a bonus day tomorrow. I'm profoundly grateful for that this year, an extra day before we return. And I wanted to take a moment before we go back to that routine to reflect not so much about what we are returning to, but about how we are going to return to whatever it is that waits us on Tuesday. 
What difference have these last days of celebration made to how you're going to live your life on January the 5th this year? What difference does it make that we've heard this story of the nativity again? And I wanted to do that specifically by thinking about what the shepherds did next. I don't know about you, but uh, when I was uh, in my, certainly in my 20s, when it used to be uh, uh, Ali McCoist, and uh, I think Emlyn Hughes was on there, I used to watch Question of Sport. And on Question of Sport, there's a round, isn't there, called What Happens Next? And what happens is that the action, the sporting action happens and they freeze frame it at a particular moment and the guests have to guess what they think happens after that. It's an interesting metaphor for what life is like at times. We can freeze frame where we are at, the, at a certain stage in our life at the moment and wonder, well, what happens next? What happens next in 2022? What happens next in our job? What happens next in our retirement, in our neighbourhood? What happens next in our friendships and our families? And how are we going to approach whatever that is? If you go back to the story of the shepherds, after the, the singing of the angels and after um, the visit to the manger where they see the baby Jesus lying there, after all that happens, what happens next to the shepherds? Well, the answer is quite surprising. Because the answer is they go back and did what they did before. They go back to the fields and they watch their, their flocks. That's what it says there. They return to their flocks. They return to the mundane day-to-day -day of what they were doing before they met Jesus. Before they met Jesus, and you'll have heard this in Christmas talks as well, people talked about the shepherds being outcasts, didn't they? You ever heard that in a Christmas talk? The shepherds are outcasts because they were up on the hills, they couldn't take part in the day-to-day -day life of worship, so that they were beyond the, 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 the norm in society. They lived on the margins. And after they met Jesus, they continued to live on the margins. They continued to be outcasts. They continued to be shepherds. There is no grand-scale social change that happens for the shepherds. They carry on as they were. On one level, therefore, what happens next for the shepherds is exactly what happened beforehand. Nothing has changed. The only difference is that they've seen Jesus. The only difference is that they've seen Jesus. And I want to think about that. The meaning of Jesus, it seems to me, isn't found, maybe you disagree with me, in some heightened existence which makes life feel permanently supercharged. As if every day is packed full of excitement and intense meaning in that way. I think that faith is worked out not in a supercharged existence like that, but in the day-to-day -day of down-to-earth living in the company of Jesus, working out what it means to live by faith through the difficulties and the pains and the joys and the sorrows and the happinesses that life brings us day by day. I'm going to be very, very smart here and uh, tell you something about uh, something I read for my masters. I've never done that before, I don't think, here. So I want to talk to you about a French philosopher called Baudrillard. There you are. Nobody saw that coming, did they? Baudrillard had this idea which he called hyperreality. 
And hyper-reality he talked about as the, the, the experience he talks about is going to Disneyland. He says, if you go for Disneyland for a week, you step out of the office or, of your, or your home or wherever, your neighborhood, wherever it is, and you, you arrive in the Magic Kingdom. And it's magic. Every day, Mickey Mouse is there. He wants to give you a hug. And there are roller coasters and shows and songs and everybody's smiling. It's a small world after all. You sing every day as you walk along. You see the parade. You see the fireworks. Everything is supercharged for that, that week you're there. And then you come home. And life feels just a bit disappointing, really. After all, where's Mickey Mouse and the roller coaster rides? Because you've got used to being something so supercharged, so hyper-real, that everyday life doesn't make sense anymore to you. I want to suggest that going to Christian festivals can be a bit like that. I remember I was probably very irritating when I was about your age, Jordan, in my church. And I used to go to Spring Harvest, as it was then, which is a new wine thing. And I think it was brilliant because there's the big top experience and there's a big band and there's all these thousands of people singing and everybody's, yeah, yeah. And I'd go back to my pastor and I'd say to him, you know what? We need to be more like that. And of course, that was a stupid thing to say. We didn't need to be more like that. We couldn't be more like that because that was a hyper-real situation. Have you ever heard someone come back? I came back from Spring Harvest once and somebody said to me, oh, didn't you think that God was so much, so real there, so much more present at Spring Harvest? Isn't that a bizarre thing to say? Is God more present here than over there? I like it when people say, oh, don't you think God's really at work in this situation? As if to say, yeah, well, that means that he's not really at work in that situation over there at all. He's not bothered about that thing. That's not the reality, is it, about what God is like? When we're in those situations, God feels more real, not because he is more real, but because there is less distraction from other things the whole time. And everybody's singing the same song. When we come back to our normal life, the faith that we are called to is to live the reality of that in the day-to-day of what we have. That's the power of Christian living. Jesus didn't come to call us out of the world into a Christian festival, did he? He called us to go into the world with all that we learn in those places and live that out. And that's what makes your life a difference. Not because you're called out into a festival scenario and you can come to worship every day with a big band playing, but because you're you and you live in your house with your network of people, with your people that you can make a difference to. Whether that means in school, I'm looking at some of the youngsters here. God made you you to go and be you in your school with a seed of faith in you with a little bit of hope that you might share with somebody else. That is what we're called to, and that's what the shepherds did. They didn't go and and go into a different life. They returned to their flocks, and they took care of them. But what did the shepherds do next? Did they just simply go back? I want to say there are two things that they did that were different, and I want to challenge you about these two things as we go into this year. The first thing is this. They returned to their place of work as, a peop- as people of praise. That's what they did. They returned to their people of place of work as a p- person of praise. What difference would it make to you if you went back to your everyday life this week as a person full of praise? What difference would it make to the environment that you're in if that was who you were? 
The shepherds went back praising God for all that they had seen and heard. They'd seen a baby in a manger and they'd been told that this was a sign to them. To them. That a saviour had been born to them. And because of that, that, that word and because of what they saw when they saw Jesus, the shepherds returned praising God. It says actually they glorified God. I find that a, a, one of those religious words that you have to think about. What does it mean when you say you glorify God? I think what it means is that you ascribe to God, you give God the, everything that is due to his name. You put him at the centre of your life. What would it be like for Steve Moody this year if he decided that every day, consistently, the way he lived his life would be to put Jesus right at the centre of everything that he did? To be thankful for him. To live for him, to serve him. That is what it is to glorify God. And when the shepherds went back to caring their sheep, they went back to caring for sheep, but they did so as people who had God right at the centre of their existence and praising them. So whatever it is that you are going back to, that is what you were called to. Because you have seen Jesus at Christmas time, haven't you? Your own personal Christmas time and the Christmas time. You've met with him. Therefore, what difference does it make to return to your work, to your home, to your life, to your routine, to your school, as a person of praise, glorifying God? I think the message gives us some indication of what this means in Romans 12. I really like this translation. It says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. The shepherds, what they did next was they went back to tending their flock, but they did so as different people. So what do the shepherds do next? They praise and they glorify God. And they start to talk about what they've seen and heard. In fact, the scripture says that they appear not to have been able to stop talking about what they saw and heard. It says they told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. I don't know about you, as I get older, we're all getting older, aren't we? You're getting older, aren't you, Abigail? I believe so. We're all getting older. I find as the older I get, I find myself telling a story and halfway through it, there's a little voice in me saying, I think I might have told this story to these people before. And sometimes I see a slightly glazed expression on people's face saying, yeah, you've told us this one several times before. Yesterday, I walked past a house in Mixes Hill Road, and just walked past your house actually, Julie. The curtains were closed and we thought you were watching a film. We speculated as we walked past. We walked down the road and there's a house at the end on the bend there, which is like a, a bungalow with a dormer window. And I said to Rhiannon, I was walking with Rhiannon, if mum was with us, what would she say in the next 30 seconds? And Rhiannon said, She'd say, we almost bought that house when we came here, you know, we had a look round it, and I thought we could do this, this, and this. And, she's, and clearly, every time we walk down this road, that's what Nicola says. The glazed expression comes over, you tell the same story again, time and time. We almost lived in that house, and the kids know all of these stories. I wonder if that was what it's like with the shepherds. Oh no, they're going to tell us that story again, about what they saw in the manger. Here they go, we've all heard this story again. But they couldn't stop talking about it. They just couldn't stop telling their story. There is no sense in the shepherds that having been to see Jesus, that this becomes a sort of private spirituality where they treasure this and think, hmm, this is really interesting. I think I might develop my own prayer life and my Bible reading about this. I think I might think a little bit when I have a quiet time about what this means. 
They sing it out loud because there's something to celebrate and they tell everybody about what they've seen. They cannot stop talking about what they have seen. And this is what the shepherds do next. They go back to what they did before, but they go back as people of praise. And they go back as people of praise who can't stop talking about Jesus. So, we've been to Christmas this year. What are we going to do next? We're going to go back. We're going to treasure it up privately and think that was very interesting. What difference would it make if we became people of praise who couldn't stop talking about Jesus in 2022? I don't mean being annoying. I don't mean you know, shoving the Bible down people's throats. I'm just saying, talking about our own experience and about how good God is and sharing that with people as we go. There's a song by Wizard, isn't there? Do you know Wizard? Um, and I think it's called, I, th- I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day. I wish it could be Christmas every day. I'm not going to sing it. I'm resisting it now. I've already sung once. Singing twice in a sermon is too much, I think. I wish it could be Christmas every day. But you see, if it was Christmas every day, that would be that kind of supercharged hyper-reality that we're not called to live. And Christmas wouldn't be special. I knew somebody once who, every time you asked them how something was going, they'd say, it was outstanding. Every single time you asked them something, Well, after a while, I started to think there is no such thing as outstanding in this person's life because everything is outstanding. If everything's outstanding, then nothing is outstanding. And it was the same as saying, well, it was all right. Because that's what it meant, if you like, in that way. I think this is really, really important. I don't wish that it could be Christmas every day. But I do wish that I could live every day remembering Christmas. I don't want to live that supercharged life and have that expectation that every time I I go out or have a day that somehow I'm filled with these intense experiences. I don't even want our church experience here to feel like being in a Christian festival every time we come here because that's not who we are. We're a family here who do life together. But what I do want is I want to live as somebody who's seen Jesus. And I want to think about that when I go back to my fields and I tend my flock. And I want to think about what it is to glorify God this year. And I want to tell everybody and not be too nervous about saying the word Jesus to somebody. Because he happens to be very, very important to me. And I think he's very important to you as well. So, my question to you this year on this short service today is this. What happens next? What happens next? Amen.